Hey everyone, welcome back to the Demetria Obalor Show. I just wanted to take a moment to recognize the victims of yesterday's shooting on the University of Las Vegas campus, UNLV. You know, when I saw the news breaking, my heart, it just dropped. And I know a lot of you know that I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, but also in Las Vegas, Nevada, and UNLV, very familiar to me. You know, I've had friends, family graduate from there. I mean, it really just hit home for me because it's one of those things where you jump on the phone just to make sure your little brother's okay, your family's okay, your friends. I mean, the last time I did that was back in 2017 when 58 people were killed in the mass shooting at Mandalay Bay Hotel. I remember like it was yesterday, I was leaving Channel 8 in Las Vegas to go move to Dallas, but I was still in Las Vegas and I'm just calling my family, making sure everyone's okay. Horrible, horrible tragedy. 58 people were killed in the mass shooting at Mandalay Bay happened during a concert, and then two more died from injuries sustained on that horrible day in Vegas. And just, you know, this Wednesday, it really brought me back there. It breaks my heart whenever I see these senseless killings take place. And so I just really wanted to recognize it. And all of the details are still coming out as I'm recording this, so I didn't want to be premature on any type of report, but definitely wanted to acknowledge it. And I wanted to include my condolences in this episode because it literally just happened. All right, deep breath. Now, I hope all of you are feeling okay today and are otherwise enjoying the holiday season. Do you have all your Christmas shopping done yet? Oh, it's coming up. It's coming up. And personally, me, I'm still in a state of euphoria after seeing the long-awaited, much-anticipated trailer for the video game Grand Theft Auto 6. I've been waiting on that. We've been waiting on that for 10 years. And just watching it, I mean, it made me smile. It really brought me back to like when I was a kid, begging for your mom to get from the store trying to conceal the fact of what's in the game no mom it's not rated mature it's just rated teen no big deal well you know we didn't turn out to be sociopaths or anything like that but seriously this trailer was a hundred percent florida and i love seeing the south beach scene because you know i love south beach but it was hilarious you had the lambos you had the club you had the girls twerking on the vehicles i felt like i didn't even need to go to miami like i could just play the game and save a couple grand i mean <laughs> that's how immersed i felt in the trailer and then i love the hillbilly florida stuff the karen the gators the naked dude evading police i mean one dude even looked like kodak black i bet he's definitely a key part of the game <laughs> i mean one person on twitter was basically like oh man it looks like rockstar the company that created the game yeah they spent a decade studying the true essence of floridians packaged it up nicely into this game and the trailer is legit and it's definitely up there with one of my favorite video commercials of all time which is kingdom hearts do you remember when that game came out to this day to this day that commercial does something to me oh, i love that song it's the way that you're making me feel tonight i don't think you can really understand it you just had to be there growing up in my millennial generation we really had the best commercials i mean no one wanted toys as badly as we did the people who made commercials then need to be memorialized okay do you guys remember the ritz bitch sandwiches commercial i love that with the crack digging into the moon. Oh my God. I just made me want those so bad. I mean, every commercial in like the late nineties, early thousands, I'm like, need that. Gotta have that. There was nothing like going to the store and seeing toys galore. And I, I just loved, I love those times. But speaking of stores, yeah, what's up with all of these wild shoplifting videos that we're seeing everywhere? I mean, it really grinds people's gears to see people tearing out of the Chanel store with a bunch of bags. And 
The images that we're seeing are very reminiscent of the footage that was captured during the George Floyd protests, right? So we had the good people who were protesting against police brutality and justice. Then you had a different set of events, a spontaneous set of events, uh, also organized crime when it came to the looting, right? Nevertheless, the videos we're seeing now, three years later, are still evoking those same kinds of responses from people and leading people to believe all hell is breaking loose in retail stores across America. People are believing that shoplifting is at an all-time high, but the reports are very misleading. So here are the facts. New York City has a problem on its hands when it comes to organized theft. So according to NYC.gov, 327 repeat offenders were responsible for 30% of more than 22,000 retail thefts across New York City. The people, they were arrested and rearrested more than 6,000 times. Okay, that was last year. Now, according to the most recent data collected by the Council on Criminal Justice, from the first half of 2023, which is from January to June, there have been 61,184 shoplifting incidents across 24 major U.S. cities that have specifically reported shoplifting data. New York accounts for 46% of those incidents. Now, when you take New York City out of the mix, okay, just... Set New York over here. They're wild over there. Now, shoplifting in 2023 is 7% lower than it was in the first half of 2019. Now, it's important to know that last year, the whole state of California saw a 28.7% jump in shoplifting compared to low numbers during the pandemic lockdowns. But that rate was still 8% below its pre-pandemic level. So the thing here, all right, it's about interpreting the data responsibly and being realistic with what you're comparing it to. So... Yeah, of course, we are going to see higher shoplifting rates now than we did during the pandemic when everything is locked down. So numbers are on the rise, but overall, with the data that we have available, shoplifting is not higher than what it was before the pandemic. I guess it's just getting back to normal, which isn't a good thing. Of course not. Never anything to be taken lightly. But those are the numbers we need to be looking at to make a proper assessment of shoplifting on the whole. And as we continue to become one with social media, we have to stop overestimating the prevalence of things based on a viral video. This is not to downplay shoplifting whatsoever. Let me stress that, okay? I mean, there was a horrible story that just came out of Philadelphia this week after a 30-year-old security guard was fatally stabbed after a shoplifting incident at Macy's. Absolutely horrible. But just because you see a really compelling smash and grab video like the one I mentioned before at Chanel, any of that kind of stuff, or just because organized shoplifting is up in big, big cities, the nation's biggest cities, New York City, LA, that doesn't define the entire country, okay? And it's important to know the differences here because this kind of data and imagery is very influential, particularly before an election particularly when politicians might want to craft an idea about crime in the country to suit them. And it's always been a hot button issue, crime. And it will always be sensationalized and weaponized if you don't know where to find the facts and have the patience to do a little reading. I mean, this isn't a dig at anyone. But seriously, when I start seeing footage and themes across the news that cause palpable and polarizing responses from the public, I literally ask myself, qui bono? Who benefits, yeah? Who benefits from a misleading narrative that shoplifters are taking over the nation? Who gets blamed for that? Who could lose their job? What elected government officials will be in the line of fire if it looks like the nation is succumbing to an epidemic of shoplifting? Yeah. Who is constructing these stories? Or you could be just like Matt Damon in The Departed and say, Quee gives a shit. 
But seriously, always ask questions, do your own research, make sure they're verified sources. Please, please, please. A lot of fake news sites look like real ones. They're not. But stats can be very misleading depending on who's telling the story. And that's the first thing that you learn in stats AP in school. I took stats AP because I really didn't want to take calculus. That's <laughs> because I just feel like I'm not taking calculus. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, hey, where do you stand on the whole FSU snub situation with the college football playoff? I mean, it is the first time an unbeaten Power 5 conference winner gets to miss out on the college football playoff. FSU coach Mike Norvell had some words after getting the news. You know, I was just hurt for our players. I mean, to be honest with you, that was, uh, um, you know, it was one of the tougher moments I've had to experience and, you know, just for all that they've done, you know, you talk, you, you talk to a team about, uh, you know, responding to adversity, getting up and going to uh, uh, give all that you can to be able to find a way to win a college football game. And, uh, you know, like Coach Smart said, it is hard. I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to, um, you know, to, especially when you face some of the adversities that, that we've had uh, you here this year, whether it's injury or just different things to overcome, but uh, um you know, it's, it's all part of it. All right, so for those of you who don't know, FSU, they went 13-0 and while Texas and Alabama's records were 12-1. to Alabama lost to Texas in September, but Texas, I mean, they lost to Oklahoma in October, and OU lost to OSU and Mike Jayhawks. You know, I'm going to find a way to bring them up. So I'm just like, huh? I mean, Alabama barely pulled off the victory against Auburn, but they beat Georgia. And all I know is Texas had to be in the playoffs because they beat Alabama, all right? I mean, that would have been wild otherwise. I really do think that FSU would have been in the playoffs if Georgia never lost to Alabama. Then you have the SEC representation and they'd have been undefeated and then FSU would have been in there with their record. So uh, Boo Corrigan, okay, that's the CFP Selection Committee chairman. He told ESPN that Florida is a different team after their QB Jordan Travis broke his leg. But that's exactly what happened to Ohio State back in 2014 when they lost QB JT Barrett and that's when Zeke Elliott took things to a whole nother level okay Buckeyes won the championship beat Alabama and all of that okay that year but still if I'm honest personally I'd rather watch an Alabama game in the playoffs but I think that FSU earned that spot okay and so does Aaron Rodgers you know if that does anything for you but he thinks they should have clinched it instead of Texas but like I said <laughs> Texas had to be there because they beat Bama and Bama has to be there because what's a playoff without the SEC the best football conference like what do you mean it's got to be represented it has to dang Georgia if Georgia was in it everybody would be happy I really believe that and I could literally do this all day go back and forth all right with all of the different arguments because it's really a toughie all right it is not okay and I feel really bad for FSU players because they really deserve to be there. But unfortunately, that's how the playoffs are shaped this time around. Now you got Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's asking the state legislature to set aside $1 million in the budget so that they can sue the college football playoff for snubbing FSU. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But next year, we probably won't see this problem happening ever again as the playoff bracket is going from just four teams to 12 which will automatically include the six highest ranked conference champions. The top four teams will receive a first round bye to the quarterfinals. The six next highest teams, they'll battle it out to create the rest of the 12 team format. So nobody's going to be complaining. And hey, you know, who knows? My Jayhawks might be even better next year. So we might be in the playoffs and that would be really amazing. Because like I said, we're no longer just a basketball school, baby. We're becoming more of a football school. So no hate, no hate. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now be honest with me. Just for a second, 
Have you ever been ghosted before? Or are you the one who does the ghosting? Yeah, well, according to Pew Research, 30% of adults in the U.S. have experienced ghosting in the last 10 years, and most of it's happening on these online dating apps. And personally, I've never used a dating app, but I guess they can be pretty low committal, so I guess it wouldn't always be so surprising if someone just stopped messaging you back. But then again, you know, it always bothers me if one of my friends don't respond to my DMs. But then I'm guilty of that, too, because I'm busy. I don't know. But altogether, I think even if it's informal dating, talking, messaging, a greeting, it can suck, right, if someone just disappears out of thin air, yeah. So Psychology Today lists a variety of reasons people might ghost someone else. You know, maybe they feel there's no connection, not really hitting it off. Honestly, I think it's best to tell people if you're not interested in them, you know, in the nicest way possible, right? But that doesn't honestly always work either. So it can be pretty tough to navigate. But for me, I like to go by the rule. If they were interested, they would get back to you. I mean, people are busy and I've been so busy that I was like, oh my God, how am I this busy and I don't have any kids? Like, I just, like I'm like stressed to the max and everything and I'll just literally leave my phone on do not disturb or I'll leave it upstairs. It's a really bad habit. And I'll just be downstairs and I'll just be watching TV all day. And I'm like, I'll get back to it. If anybody loves me, they'll text me and I'll get back to it or something. But I have to tell you, even on my worst days, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, don't feel like responding. I still make time to look at that message. If it's from somebody that I'm interested in hearing from, I'd say 99% of the time, I always make sure to get back to the person I'm interested in because because when the dust of the day settles, right, and you, you finally grab your phone again, you're looking through your messages, you know, you're going to be looking for that person. You want to hear from them, right? And my responsiveness, honestly, corresponds to my interest level. And my interest is really just half of it. Okay, me being attracted to you, but the other half of my interest really comes from how interested you show me that you are, okay? Because if you're not consistent, I'm not into you, all right? That's not attractive to me. Definitely a turnoff, and I'm not gonna fight for your attention, none of that kind of stuff. Like I said, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, I'm definitely gonna respond, and probably with a little heart emoji or something cute like that. <laughs> okay, we also have to be real about ghosting. If I told you it's not working and you keep texting me and then I stop responding, that is not me ghosting you because I told you I was done, okay? And I'm pretty good at that because I like to give people closure and I like everybody to know where they, they stand with me. Now, I think the hardest forms of ghosting are the ones that happen in real long-term relationships. And Psychology Today says, I mean, that can leave you confused, depressed, traumatized, feeling betrayed, especially since people won't even hesitate to ghost you and then appear online like nothing is happening. You know what I mean? Like, I know you saw my text, you're not responding, but you just posted a fresh brand new story. Like, you know what I mean? It's the way you act, act. <laughs> oh God, don't judge me, but I like that guy. It's the way you act, act. I don't know what he's doing lately, but I love, when I first saw that, I was like, okay, I thought it was a dance move. I don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> I hate when people do that. Like, it doesn't happen very often. I'm not talking to anybody, so my heart is not on the line right now. But it would definitely irritate me. And I've seen people do that to get under my skin, which is funny in the past. But who can play that game? 
And I play it worse. <laughs> no, I don't. Yes, I do. And then they leave you wondering what you did to deserve such horrible treatment. Now, is it possible that you've exhausted someone so much and ignored their communicated boundaries so much that they've resorted to just flat out ignoring you? I mean, that's possible. Yeah, and then there are those other instances where you sincerely don't know what you did wrong. And that sucks, but Dr. Anna Tanasugarn, a psychologist and certified trauma and relationship specialist, I mean, she gives four reasons, four underlying reasons why people ghost in long-term relationships, right? And the number one, she says, are feelings of inadequacy. If a person doesn't feel confident in themselves, right? Um, if they believe that their partner deserves better, they may ghost a relationship. Then there's number two, they might be a narcissist who is more likely to ghost because they have reduced emotional empathy. So that's like everybody's go-to now. Everybody's a narcissist. Oh, they didn't respond. I don't like what they're doing. They're a narcissist. Be very careful giving diagnoses to people. I mean, you're not a doctor. I mean, it's easy to go on WebMD and be like, okay, yeah, all these traits, that's you. Like, that may not be. Maybe it's you, <laughs> okay? And then there's number three, poor communication. I mean, some people avoid having those tough conversations. They just don't know how to navigate it. No excuse, but maybe they fell out of love with you. Maybe they're feeling vulnerable from having their own abandonment wounds surface. Any of those are possible. And then number four, coercive control. And I feel like this is why most people do the ghosting, okay? This is where the ghosted might be trying to win the upper hand by leaving first without a goodbye, and then they get the other person to chase after them. If the person who was ghosted reaches out, it creates a bigger power imbalance, right? If that relationship continues on. I really feel like that's why most people do the ghosting now in real relationships. It's because they perceive that you did something to them and now it's about showing you a lesson and everything like that. When you may not even really know what you did, it's happened to me. I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? I don't know what I did. Oh my God. Not again. <laughs> I'm serious. It's kind of funny, but it's hella toxic. It's terrible. And I, you should not get caught up in the whirlwind of that. It's just really horrible. Good communication solves everything. And me, you'll always get that from me. Like I said, you'll always know where you stand for me. If you messed up, I will definitely tell you how you did it. Okay. I will always tell you that. And I'm hoping that you'll make it up to me usually, right? Okay, so <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair because nobody can offer you a sincere apology or learn from their behavior if you don't give them the opportunity to know what the hell they did wrong. And nobody can read your mind. I'm sorry, okay? Like, that's not directed to anyone in particular, but I'm like, bro, like, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> is it the picture I posted? Like, what did I do? I don't know. But relationships can be really difficult to navigate, especially since so often, I mean, we have our own trauma responses. I mean, we have lots of coded defense mechanisms that we're still trying to work out. And it can be helpful to see a therapist to help you become a more complete person. And it would also help you develop coping mechanisms so that if someone does you dirty, your life doesn't collapse. And I've never been to a therapist, but one of my dearest friends has, and now she sounds so smart when it comes to anything about relationships. It's so interesting to hear all of her opinions about boundaries, consequences, all of it. I'm like, ooh, boundary. Oh yeah, consequence. I just love it, I love it. She knows what I'm talking about. Totally invaluable. But I'll leave you with something my dad always said to me, and this is like my, my therapy here, okay? When I was younger, I think I was going through a rough time with my first boyfriend, I think, and he said to me, no one completes you. Yeah, he said, no one completes you because if they did and they ever leave, you would be incomplete. That's unacceptable. That's not how things are supposed to be. A relationship is two complete people coming together, making it happen. And I've always remembered it, okay? So no matter how bad the heartbreak, and there's been a couple of them, 
I still got my work done. Always showed up at work. I remember one time before I was going on air in Las Vegas. Oh, breakup. Oh, I was crying. It was like 3.30 in the morning. I don't know if I was crying because I was tired or crying because I was hurting. But I was hurting on both counts. So I don't really know. But it was time to do the traffic. So good morning, everyone. <laughs> Take a look at I-15. It was like that. Okay. Like I got to get my check. I'm not playing around. I'm going to class. The class is at 6 a.m. In, in college. I'm getting up at that time. I'm not staying in bed crying over any boy. I'm just not. And I know it hurts. And I cry. Oh, I'm a crier. I'm an Aries. I'm very emotional. <laughs> but I'm going to get that work done. Okay. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> we'll cry after work. But um, I always saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm a very hopeful person. Okay. I believe in fairy tales. I'm a product of 90s and early thousands Disney. Okay. So I always believe the fairy tales coming with the beautiful curse of the end. Okay. That's just me. And I'm very happy these two specific relationships didn't work out. And I'm a better Demetria because of it. And I hope you can find the better and best versions of yourselves despite being ghosted every now and again. Just be careful how you ghost people. A little communication goes a long way, but I do know there's some people who are so hard-headed they can't get it through their skulls and it's like no matter how nice you say I'm not interested, they don't get it. And at that point, it's like now you're exhausting my patience and... I have these boundaries as well, and I don't have to keep sacrificing my comfortability and my access um, to be abused by you, okay? I'm not going to allow it. Okay, now before I wrap up this first season of the Demetria Ovalor Show, yes, 13 episodes. I feel like that's the perfect number for a first season. I just want to thank all of you who joined me and listened because we're going to take a quick break for the holidays, okay? I got a lot of stuff I got to do big vacation coming up. Okay. And then I'm going to come back next month, this January, better than ever. So make sure you stay in tune with me. Okay. Subscribe to my Instagram page where I share a lot of fun, exclusive content with my most loyal audience. And then subscribe to my YouTube for the latest content that I'm going to be posting. I'm going to be making some fun videos. That hot ones challenge is coming soon. When I come back, Okay, I'm going to tell you all about it, all right? But really fun videos coming down the pipeline that I think you will all love. So I will see you guys back here January 4th, 2024, the first Thursday of the new year, okay? And I want to hear all your resolutions and all of that. I might make one. I don't know. We'll see. But until then, I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing holiday season and a wonderful new year.